What up, everybody? Yeah. We're hey. back. It's the Oasis Podcast, and I mean, we're not missing a second week in a row. That just cannot mm-hmm. happen. Not on my watch. Not again. So we are here. Sorry. <laughs> and we're doing it. And before we, we dive into our topic of today, we're talking about life. So, people, how's life? Life is life. <laughs> just living life. Loving life. Trying to live that abundant life that Jesus brings. Whoa. That was, <laughs> All right. That was a full circle answer. <laughs> I feel like I loved it, but it and also, also made didn't no like sense. it. Didn't, yeah. yeah. Uh, Otis has slept through the night two nights in a row. So we're, I don't know what to do. He's already grown, man. He's basically on, on his own now. Adult. He's going to start paying rent soon. Soon. Yeah. ASAP. Yeah. The problem is mm-hmm. I'm getting up more than he am, and it's become more than he is, and I, it's because I have to go to the bathroom, which just tells me I'm a thousand years old. Dude, you can't set me up like that. I just, I, I, I said the joke before you get there. Yeah, I know. So much under. I've got two good jokes, and one is the Ben is old joke. <laughs> top, top five bit. Yeah, top five bit. Jana, always how's good, life? It's pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. Not too much going on. She's enjoying the people. Yeah. What? Well, you didn't have any people for a couple weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't know where you're going with that I was like, enjoying the people. What are you talking about? I feel like I've barely been at home since I left quarantine, basically, which I love. Yeah. So. And my life is also good. We're just doing life things, man. Married and hanging out here at the church. That's pretty much my whole life. So. It's beautiful. (laughs) We're diving right in. <laughs> we got weird. We, we got talked quick. about really quick that you said doing life things, and then you said married. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean it like that. So today's episode, paused, we're talking about sex. So. <laughs> <laughs> no recovering from that. We can cut that out if yeah. you want. No, no, no. We'll leave it. The, peop- the people might get a kick out of it. I'm embarrassed, <laughs> but... Uh, what we're talking about is the sacredness of life in general. So we have two different areas we're talking about here. One, the political arm argument of pro-life. And then two, the biblical argument of pro-life. Because we would say those are two completely, almost completely different things. So that right there was just a red flag. Not a red flag, but a, what's the word? A trigger? That too. Yeah, that's not I'm a great word. I don't know. What, I don't know what, what. Yeah, something. Clickbait? I don't know. Clickbait might be. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is. But I wanted to just title this pro life and get as many clickers on it as, as I could. But. <clears throat> We're just trying to get those clicks. <laughs> All right, Ben. Anyway. You want to start us with what's just the definition from yeah. their website? I think is where you got it, right, or something uh, close this, to their website. Uh, this is actually from a Gospel Coalition. Okay. Article. Yeah. The idea of. What pro-life is, and tradi- it's the traditional view of what pro-life is based off of what our nation just understands or the world understands that. And that's opposing the inten- intentional killing of innocent human beings in the womb. Um, it's specifically focused on the unborn. Um, and the reason we want to, I think, differentiate between political and biblical is this idea that <clears throat> I don't think we teach a lot on actually the holistic view of of the Bible being pro-life and what that means, which we'll get to. Yeah. And we understand being pro-life only as something very just small, not small minded because abortion's a big deal. Yeah. Um, but just focused on the unborn and it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he can't even, he can't even wait for the second part. <laughs> like, I'm, already, so, dude, I'm sorry. Dude, it's all the about pit. the plot line. You got to get up to the climax. Sorry. You the just pe- got, you got to cut me off. The people need to, think. <laughs> what Ben is saying is there's a political view that focuses specifically on unborn children. And a statistic mm-hmm. we have for you is in 2017, 862,000 abortions happened. 
and that's a 19% drop from a 2011 percentage. So in 2011, there was over a million babies um, in the womb that were murdered, essentially. For That's probably the accurate term. Um, and the argument comes from when is life life? Uh, what, what do we believe about children in the womb and rights they have? But also on the other side, people argue for women's rights. Mm-hmm. So anything further to add on the political idea before we just get in heavy to why we would articulate for a more biblical view of pro-life? No, because we're going to keep going. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so now we want to get you the what we believe is so good, a biblical, holistic, entire view that the Bible gives on pro-life and what it means for life to be sacred. So Ben, with our Oasis typical, give us a definition on biblical pro-life. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, God cares for all life, period. Boom. That's it. Yeah. It's all life. So the biblical idea of being pro-life and even the Christian idea of being pro-life is this recognition that God cares for every single human being in person. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. One, right away in Genesis 1, right? Verse 27, God said, let, let us create them humans human beings in our own image. Mm. The reality that we have been made in the image of God, so every single person because of that has an intentional and sacred worth because God created us intentionally, purposely, for a reason. Psalm 139, I think, I mean, this is a big reference that we say, you you, you made, this is Psalm 139, 13, verses 13 through 16, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, so I was woven together in the dark of a womb. You saw me before I was born, and every day of my life was recorded. In your book, Psalm 100 tells us that uh, we are gods because we were made by him. Uh, Jeremiah 1.5, and I got to look it up. I should have had it already in my head and I had it. Uh, Jeremiah 1.5 says that I know, like the God telling the people of Israel, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you. It's just like, that's real. Mm -hmm. And so it's, God knew us not just the day we were conceived in our mother's womb, God knew us the day that he spoke, let us make man in our own image. Mm. He knew you distinctively, personally, and knew what your life was going to be like. And he mm. knew what was going to be a part of your life, so he cares for you. Even this past um, Sunday, or a couple Sundays ago, Pastor Steve talked about the reality of us being made on purpose. We yeah. were not an accident. And so the idea of biblical pro-life starts with you were made intentionally, mm-hmm. and he knew you before you were even born. That's good. That's so good. Yeah. We could probably cut it there, but we're not <laughs> going on. to. We got to yeah. keep going because when we're talking about this idea of God caring for all life, we want to give you kind of more specific people groups and areas where we think this is commonly neglected, one in the world, but two, mm-hmm. unfortunately, in the church. Yeah. So we want, I, I love the idea where it was Pastor Steve, our lead pastor here at Grace Point, was preaching this message advocating for life on purpose and you're not Mm -hmm. an accident. And he would go through a couple of examples and we're quick as Christians to affirm the, the political idea of supporting the unborn or just to bring out affirmation and amens. And thank you for saying that and post our Instagram stories Mm -hmm. and our Facebook posts about pro-life. But when it comes to the rest of these people groups we're talking about, we're more silent 
And that, that's a problem. We want to be more outspoken on a holistic, complete, sacred view of all life. Which is so, what awesome about what Pastor Steve did on that morning mm-hmm. is he kept going. He yeah. didn't stop at just abortion yeah. and the unborn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He went into, and well, we're going, I'm going to stop. And we're really we're really going <laughs> to really push farther than yep. even he did yep. and kind of advocate for it. Because we have more time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the idea starts with, when we're talking about the sacredness of all life, there's a reality that some life is already valued more importantly than others. So this conversation where we're steering is we're talking about every marginalized person, people who don't get the same view of life all the time that others do. And we have this definition that Ben got from his class, and I don't know if you just want to read that real quick. Yeah, but. the idea that Jesus came to bring in response to or in just the reality of, of the sacredness of life and that all people have worth is Jesus treated every single human being as people of sacred worth. Every person he mm-hmm. came in contact with that was different, gender, race, socioeconomic class, whatever it was, he treated them intentionally and purposely that they were made in the image of God and they had sacred worth, not just worth, but sacred I think that's beautiful to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you want to read just that Matthew yeah. passage you have for that? Because I think that perfectly in Jesus's words explains yeah. his heart there. For sure. Yeah. Matthew 25, uh, this is starting at 36, says, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. <laughs> and he says, the, the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king replied, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. Mm. And it's every person, every marginalized, every disenfranchised person, mm-hmm. um, as we, even in this moment, as we serve them, intentionally and understand that they were made purposely and have a sanctity and a sacredness of life mm-hmm. uh, as we serve them and, and reach out to them. It's, it's as if Jesus saying even here, we reached out to him. Mm-hmm. Now what we're going to do is we're going to give you some of the, the people groups we're going to talk about and they're in no specific order. I want that to be as clear yeah. as possible. Like we didn't <clears throat> prioritize what we're advocating <laughs> for here, but rather we just created a list of these different groups so that we can make sure we talk about them all. So the first one is the unborn. As Bible-believing Christians, we should advocate for the unborn. Why? Yeah, so I mean, Ben kind of already um, hit on this a little bit, but um, even in Jeremiah 1.5 and also in Psalm 139, like that language of I've knit you together in your mother's womb, that intentionality of knowing you before maybe you were physically born into this world, if we want to use that language. But, um, and we, you know, already said we can't necessarily define when a person becomes a person, but mm-hmm. the, the idea that God knows you and cares about you and gives you that sacred worth that we've already talked about mm-hmm. from the moment he started to create, I think shows the importance that God has on the unborn, um, yeah. that we as a church should also reflect that. Yeah. And, and we could have taken this time to give you a thousand scientific yeah. research articles and other mm-hmm. statistics to kind of prove that fact. But really, we want to use the thing we hold in highest regard, which is the Bible. Absolutely. And that's God's word to explain this topic. So, Ben, you have anything to add on that or number Amen. two? Amen. <laughs> Again, I think this is this is the one that we yeah. stick to and hold on to, which we wanted to, to give a di- just a differentiation between the political and biblical view of pro-life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's like, for me, I don't, I'm not going to try to push those who don't know Jesus to be all-inclusive in their idea of pro-life. But as followers of Jesus, we need to be incredibly inclusive mm-hmm. to all people yeah. in yeah. being pro-life. 
Mm-hmm. I think this is, it almost ties so closely into the whole Black Lives Matter 100%. thing. 100%. Where people think if you advocate for one, you're, oh, you're disadvocating mm-hmm. for the rest. Yeah. Which isn't true, and that's At exactly all. what we're doing here. We're that's advocating so for the unborn, yeah. and then all the rest of these. Yes. So the second one we want to talk about is women. We are advocating for women, <laughs> which... Wait. What is, don't do it. Don't do it. Whatever you're about Sorry. to say, don't do it. Uh, well, I knew it was going to be a tough um, joke there. I think this is... This is one of my favorite ones because I am married to a woman. Mm. <laughs> That's a good point. Me too. I, I have a daughter. One of my good friends sitting in this room is a woman. So this one's important to me. So our value is only in our relationship to men. Yeah. If you, if you, <laughs> if I don't have a relationship with you, then I don't care about you at all. Ben, uh, you're I'm canceled. <laughs> James one twenty seven says, "Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this: to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep." oneself from being polluted by the world. Matthew 5, Jesus teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, here's why this is important. It's it's amazing that, and we just don't, I think, understand this as fathers of Jesus fully, that in Jesus' teaching on divorce, what he's doing is he's giving not just a status, but a value and purpose to women that was never given to them before in the Jewish context. Here, men were taught, and even the Jewish, I think, system taught that you could give a certificate of divorce to anyone without any specific reason, without any specific reason whatsoever. Yeah, It gave no value or worth to women in, in, in that time and in their society, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. But the whole reality in Jesus saying this is Jesus had this incredible radical assumption that women have enormous value and purpose because his teaching on divorce treated women as people, not just merely property, Mm -hmm. which is what they were treated as. And so what he's saying is this reality, like if you give her a certificate of divorce, you're actually forcing her to commit an adultery, which wasn't possible before because they weren't persons. Mm -hmm. Now he's saying, no, they're people. Look at what you're doing. So he's actually putting a pressure on men to be really intentional with how they treat not just their wives, but women in general, which I think to me is, we don't understand that in that teaching, Mm -hmm. but what he's doing there is so and so incredible and value and just yeah, has incredible value and something we need to take. Also, look at Paul's ministry. He was taught and encouraged by two amazing women. The mm-hmm. whole, all of Jesus' ministry, if you look into it, was actually supported financially mm-hmm. by women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, we don't understand this because we don't look into it a lot. <laughs> There's, I don't know. Um, Jesus gave status to women in such a way that they didn't possess. And I think we need to understand, I think we, we just miss out mm-hmm. on this. A lot, especially in our society. And I, I think a, I think a question of someone listening could be, all right, that was Jesus's time. Women were disenfranchised then, Good. but are they still today? I think, yeah. It's in maybe more subtle ways or ways that we've normalized to the point of not realizing. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the obvious one is in pay gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's in uh, the lack of um, even legislation on women's rights, and maybe that gets into a whole different conversation. But even yeah. the fact that women couldn't legally vote yeah. until the mid of the 1900s yep. is like, you know, that's mm-hmm. still very new. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I think these things will happen. I mean, you can get into the astounding numbers of sexual assault, and we could talk about, you know, like women who are forced into sexual activity. So, like, yep. yeah, it's absolutely happening. Or even how we've treated 
in the church, and I'm just going to go here, how we treated <laughs> lust in the church yeah. is that oh, we've yeah. actually told women they need to cover up and not told men, hey, actually learn mm-hmm. how to deal with your temptation. Mm-hmm. How off is that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So bad. Sorry. I just, I don't <laughs> like that. Ben is about to go <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> or even the, well, this is a whole side yeah. topic. Even the the normalization of men as sexual beings and women is oh, not. Oh, 100%. Is like, yeah. Yeah. But what a man. That's a whole, <laughs> that's a different thing. Yep. But then but. Eve is just Adam's helper, right? How, how dare oh, you? Geez. How dare you? I, I'm, I, I hope you heard the sarcasm in that because that is not true based on how we view helper. Look at the look, Greek. Look at the Let's Hebrew. Go. Hebrew, sorry. That's look at the bad. word. Yep, look at his context. <laughs> yeah, that sorry. word is actually used as a characteristic of God in throughout the entire Old mm-hmm. Testament. Boom. Yeah, sorry. it's in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I knew it was Hebrew, but everybody's going to discredit me because... Got my language is messed up. Okay. He's preaching this weekend, so he, it's going to be fun. Yeah, God. so everybody get your heresy wands out. It's okay. I always second guess which one was which, even though I know. Yeah. It's just like, am I right? We got to get on to another anyway. one. So we're advocating for unborn. We're advocating for women. We're advocating for children and orphans as well. And why do we do that? Why, why is this a conversation we need to talk about? Yeah, so I mean... In um, Mark 10, um, Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples, and he um, invites these children to come and spend time with him. Um, And the disciples are quick to rebuke and say, no, you don't need to be with the teacher, kind of um, diminishing um, them as, I mean, as people. Um, And Jesus says, no, let the children come to me, let them learn, and and even goes to the point of saying that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Um, And so God values children, and I think that it's easy for us, I think, in our culture today to say, yeah, we value children, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree, but there's always ways we can be better, for sure. Uh, Can I go into this one, too? Sure. I'm sorry, we're going to go so late, and I apologize. Um, This is another issue I have with the abortion debate and topic, is we want to be so, like, yes, we're against the murder of children, Mm -hmm. but... And I, th- I think actually, statistically, I think even the church has tried to do a little better. At least I've had more conversations about this of actually, okay, how do we serve women regardless of the choice they make? Because mm-hmm. it is ultimately their choice. Now, I have a biblical theological worldview of what I think the choice should be, but that's not my d- job to make sure that choice happens. Um, but how do we treat them? How do mm-hmm. we help them? How do we love yeah. them? But also, as Brennan said, 800,000 unborn children in 2017 so probably i mean statistically abortions have been going down but not that dramatically mm-hmm. what happens to those 800,000 orphans if yeah, they're born exactly yeah. where do those children go yeah mm-hmm. that to me is where we as a church have have missed or at least mm-hmm. have not done a great job of partnering with private companies mm-hmm. and organizations and and in mm-hmm. in low how do we lower prices of adoption like yeah. why, they're, 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 it's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. So like to take care of children is an aspect. How are we taking care of yeah. children foster care and have a yeah, better system yes. of yeah. you know filtering foster yeah. care homes yeah. and being yeah, a part absolutely. of redeeming that. Yeah. yeah, and not to mention, I mean, you can get into how children are treated around the world right. is vastly different yeah. than the U.S. Yeah, too, yeah, which is yeah, that's so good, really good. Maybe not much we can do mm-hmm. on that side. But I mean, it could be even as simple as I've been reading this book and it's radical. It's as John Mark Comer's book on mm. hustle and hurry, yeah. and he he's huge into what are what materials are you buying? Mm. Is yeah. the shirt you're buying coming from the sweatshops that are illegally using children's Super labor good. in yeah. Vietnam and mm-hmm. Indonesia? And it's like, ooh, okay, maybe Thanks. I have more of an impact than I thought, and that yeah. that can come to valuing children and orphans, and and uh, I think we got to tie that back in because when Jesus is teaching on this, he's teaching again to a culture that doesn't value children. Yeah. In America, we've almost flipped this, yeah. and we've mm. become to idolize children. Yeah, that's so really it's good. all about serving children. Mm. 
and how and parents we've become submissive to God's plans so that our kid can plead on the hockey team yeah. or that they can go to the perfect school or these things. So yeah, mm-hmm. hold this intention and recognize we're advocating for children and orphans and we want to love them, but we want to love them biblically in a way yeah. that Jesus would have loved them, yeah. not glorifying them and making them our idols. Yeah, to train them yeah. up in the way they should go, as yeah. it says in scripture, mm-hmm. is not to give them selfishly what they desire, what you desire for them. It's what does God desire for them. Yeah, so good. that's good. I want to go to the end of, other end of that spectrum and skip around a second, but talk mm-hmm. about the elderly. Yeah. In our culture, how do we value and why should we value the elderly? I, I actually do think that we have not done this well. Just mm-hmm. simply based off of our culture, we we put them in a home. Yeah. I mean, like, so First Timothy 5, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if they were your father. Treat, and it goes, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to widows who are really in need. A widow has children or grandchildren. They should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. I'm going to jump to, I think it's seven um, or it's eight. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worth worse. This is, this is Paul, worse than an unbeliever. And I think what we've done is, and I'm not going to get, because I don't know the answer to this, that nursing homes and assisted living centers are bad. But I think so many times, and, and my wife has such a heart for the elderly because she has seen and worked in situations where families drop off and never visit and never see. And especially now in the midst of COVID, mental health, depression, mm-hmm. anxiety has rise in such a way because there's no one visiting. One, they can't. Mm-hmm. But just like it's real. They feel mm-hmm. lonely. And they are, they f- <sighs> we need to do a better job of just taking care mm-hmm. of yeah. our family and our own mm-hmm. household. Um, Most yeah, of you listening are probably listening on a phone. <laughs> and a phone connects to another phone. It's true. And even though your grandma or grandpa or great grandma grandpa doesn't oh. know how to use their phone, that's really good. Like, let's that's be honest. True. They might. They have no. Might have no idea. Yeah. Hopefully they can answer it. You can talk to them. Yep. And that can be loving the elderly. Huge. Absolutely. You had no idea the amount of just mm-hmm. joy would be received on that other end from a simple thirty second, three minute, thirty mm-hmm. minute conversation. Mm-hmm. And I also like the idea of Jesus practiced this. Jesus on his way to the cross. That's good. Yeah. He knew he was gonna be crucified and die he made sure his mother was taken care of he put mary in in the and he put john in charge of his mom mary in john 19 yeah and he Mm. he made sure that she was cared for and didn't just leave her as an obligation to society or someone else and i love that because he practiced it so i'm gonna want to practice that yeah my mom always jokes and she told Allie right when we got serious dating Allie's my wife she said i get to live with you for I think she always says two years, and she said she's going to rotate each of her kids two years <laughs> once my dad dies. Well, I'm like, she's kind of joking, but she's also straight up serious. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever house I build one day, yeah. if I am that yeah. lucky, uh, I got to make a room, that room for, for my mom. mom. I love it. Let's go back to one that I skipped. How do we advocate for different races? Um, this is, I mean, we got to keep it kind of <laughs> short. Let's not blow the, the roof off here with a huge conversation because maybe we can do that another way. But the different races besides just Caucasian in America, how do we advocate for those people or even worldwide like Jana brought in earlier? How do we advocate for people of different races? Yeah, I think starting now, <laughs> the the biblical, the Bible, I think, clearly helps us understand what we need to do with immigrants and foreigners more than it does actually with race just because there was already an assumption that it didn't matter what race you were as far as for, with Jesus. Yeah. Um, Jesus, yeah. in, in his time, uh, Jews and Samaritans, even Jewish people and Gentile people who were different 
ethnicities, mm-hmm. di- different race. They Gentile just meaning non-Jew. A, a non-Jewish yeah. person. And more than just a religion, literally, it's your race. And so they didn't, there was, there was fighting, there was disagreement. They weren't, they, they uh, the Jews looked down upon the Samaritans because they weren't God's people. Mm-hmm. And a beautiful image and picture of how Jesus helps us recognize, not just women, but people who are of different race is the story of the Samaritan woman yeah. who comes and gets water at a well who's by herself. He's sitting there. Uh, it was un- unbeknownst for a Jewish man, let alone just a Jewish person at all to talk to Samaritan. And he asked for a drink of water. Mm-hmm. And I think just the intentionality to reach out and have a conversation like Jesus treated all people with that sacred worth that we are too. So I think for us, even well, I mean, go straight into the black lives matter thing. It's don't just assume that you know exactly what the right fix is mm-hmm. for a, a, a different group than you are. Mm-hmm. Just period. I think that's what we want to do, especially for me as a Caucasian or a white person. I think, okay, what I've failed at is I've seen someone of a different color and said, okay, God sees them as the same as he sees me, so I'm going to treat them the same. I think that's actually wrong mm-hmm. because what I'm doing is discounting the experiences that they've had in their life because of the color of their skin mm-hmm. in the society that we live in. Mm-hmm. And so it's more so, no, how do I go and actually just learn their story mm-hmm. and love on them and serve them well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's so beautiful. Honestly, it's hard, but it's beautiful that God's been working this in his people since the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you see right, honestly, Genesis and Exodus to throughout the New Testament in the early church where they've struggled with race issues. I mean, the Jewish people were upset when Paul was going to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. They didn't want their religion to go to non-Jewish people. So right now we're still seeing this problem and God's still working redemption. So just be open to that. And he, so even then with that, going alongside with immigrants and foreigners, so people who are most likely a different race than you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's in uh, Leviticus 19.33, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. Um, even says, for you were once foreigners in Egypt, I am the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. And just like, yeah. And I don't know if there could be a better example of than America. Yep, yeah. that's so yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> We were all once foreigners, <laughs> yep. which mm-hmm. I don't want to push too many buttons, but we stole our land rather than got to give it to us. Correct. But, <laughs> that's true. That is true. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, we were once foreigners, so now we feel like we're entitled to our land mm-hmm. and our rights and our... But we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got three more. And let's let's go, first of all, let's start with the disabled. And I want to talk about this one in a way that it's almost similar to elderly. We put them in this box that they're just something to be, they're just people to be dealt with, Hmm. Mm -hmm. not loved like they're like children of God. And we find ways to just get them through the system and get them through life rather than seeing and caring for them. And I love the, the Acts 3 story where Peter and John are going to enter the temple And as they're entering the temple, they see a disabled, crippled man sitting at the gate because that's where they would commonly sit to beg because so many people were going into the temple and it was a religious thing to provide for them. So they would walk by and throw a couple coins at the man sitting there who was paralyzed. And Peter and John are walking into the temple and the man asks them what they can do for him in Acts 3. And Peter stops and he looks at the man and he asks the man to look back at him. And then he, he proceeds to not give him any money, but actually he heals him. But the thing I think is so important in this story is Peter took time to notice this man. 
Like how many other Jewish people or Christians had passed by him on their way into the worship place? They were just doing their life. They were doing their common thing. And maybe they even threw him a couple coins, but they didn't notice him in his suffering and his struggle. They didn't take time to actually look at him. And I, I feel that in my own life. How am I just maybe throwing a couple dollars at a project or a, a thing or giving a little bit of time, but I'm not noticing the people who need it. So I love that. And it just ties so good into what Jesus did to in so many of his miracles where he came and healed disabled people or people with different issues. And he took time to see them. He took time to love with them. He took time to hear them. And yeah, blows me away. Yeah. Challenges me huge, but blows me yeah. away. Next one. So good. We've got two more. Okay. Want to talk about the poor, Jaina? Yeah, I'll talk about the poor. Um, so I think that it's pretty clear from Scripture that, again, like any of these, that God does not place any extra value or worth in those who have more earthly possessions and wealth. Mm. I mean, even how Jesus talks with the the rich young ruler um, about laying it all aside and following him, like having possessions, having these things is not necessarily important to God. So mm-hmm. God would care for people in every aspect of economic wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think about like um, the poor in First John 3, 17, um, it says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? And right there, I feel that challenge of, of God saying, if you have no pity on these people who are in need, who are less off than you, mm. how can the love of God be in you? Mm. And I think as the church, we've been quick to, I mean, even the movement of the prosperity gospel to say, if you follow God, if you do all these right things, you're going to receive that prosperity. And I've heard that preached. Mm-hmm. I've you know, had other Christians say that. Um, and that furthers the language of, well, if you don't have enough, then you must not have the favor of God. And that's mm-hmm. absolutely not true. And so I think that for us as Christians to, to come alongside and support, provide for those in our life who are in need, um, you know, donate our money when we can, um, help support the churches, they support other people in the community through benevolence, like those kinds of things are ways that we can value and come alongside those who are in need, not to mention changing our heart and mind posture towards them as well. But So good. good. Ben, you want to bring us home just with, I know you're passionate about this last one and it's going to ruffle probably some feathers again, but that's fine. We're going to be biblical even if it ruffles some feathers. So how do we... Love and cherish and care about the lives of prisoners. Dang. Um, Hebrews 13, 3 says, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. Mm. Um, now, this is specifically contextually talking about brothers and sisters. But as I read earlier in the Matthew 25 text, he says, uh, when I was in prison, you came to visit me. Mm-hmm. And he says, and those of you've done, when you've done these things, when you've helped the sick, but when you visited those in prison, it's like you've come and visited me. And... Oh, I believe that every single experience and every single thing, um, every single wrong, one is forgiven. Hmm. And every single relationship and every single person re- re- uh, deserves restoration and redemption. Yeah. Yeah, um, because that's what sure. Jesus came to bring. That's just the reality of it. And so that includes those who have, yes, broken, broken laws mm-hmm. um, and every extent of the law. And I can say this easier right now because i haven't had something radically affect me i have not had one of my family members murdered i've not had one of my family members raped but i've known people who have had Mm -hmm. and i want to believe that in my relationship with jesus 
I have come to the point and will continue to grow to the point where I'm able to forgive Mm -hmm. even in the most extreme situation and circumstance, because I know that's how Jesus one has treated me and forgiven me. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that they've broken the law, they deserve their penalty. Let them go serve. They're still people. They're still people who Jesus views as people of sacred life and even getting going a little further and probably talking about something that is very, very mm, divisive Um, (laughs) to say the least. I'm going to say it this way in regards to the death penalty. If life for a life is understood as requiring the death penalty, then Jesus was directly opposed to it, Hmm. period. Um, He says in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, do not retaliate revengefully. Jesus was opposed to taking another life for retribution uh, or taking a life for Mm -hmm. retribution for another life. Uh, Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will pay, says the Lord. And that's really hard, I think, sometimes to hear when in our minds, the reality of fairness is if someone killed someone really close to me, I think they deserve that same penalty. Yeah. Um, and so so in our soul, and I think even in our, in our, I don't know, heart, it makes sense that the fair act is to kill them. And Jesus says something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think and, and the ultimate reason why that is to get back to our main point, which Jesus treated all human beings as people of sacred worth. Mm-hmm. The the person on the cross next to him, what we actually yeah. don't know is he was a part of a multitude of thievery. And the reason that, well, one, he got caught, but the reason he was being crucified with Jesus is that in their robbery, he was partnered with the guy who was let go, Barnabas, mm-hmm. and they had killed someone. And so by killing someone, they had gotten the death penalty, which is crucifixion. And even in that moment, Jesus knew the sins of that man mm-hmm. and still said, today you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. And it's just like Jesus viewed life as sacred mm-hmm. and of worth, yeah. and we are too as well. Yeah. I love that. I think it's a great place to end, or a great place to end. Jesus just, he loved people and he saw their worth and he saw their, their value in their life and he saw it as sacred. Mm-hmm. I love that we've come back to that whole circle of, Jesus saw people as sacred and we should too as the church. So I, there's a ton of grace in this because as I read this list, I have not done 100%. Yeah, almost absolutely. all of these yep. good. <laughs> yeah. I have done them probably poorly. Yep. And so when we're sitting here saying the church hasn't done this, we, we are the church. We are the, church. Yeah. <laughs> we are the people saying we haven't done this well, yep. but we're trying to grow and we're encouraging mm-hmm. you to come alongside us in this growth. So we love you. Thank yeah. you so much for listening yeah. and we will see you next week. Love you guys. Bye.